opportunity <clears throat> to see God move. And, and that kind of leads me into uh, sort of an introductory portion of what I want to share about today. Sometimes I think we wonder, why don't we see God do more? Why doesn't God move through me? I hear these stories about, you know, these different places, and God heals, and God does these things, and all this and that and the other thing. And, and here, I've developed a theory. And uh, my theory was, was, you know, confirmed, I guess, or affirmed again on, on our recent trip that I'm going to talk to you about today. But, but here's my theory is this, that one of the reasons, a key reason that we don't see God do more is because we don't put ourselves in a position where there's opportunities for him to do that. It's just that simple. So why do the kids see miracles when they pray for people in Mexico? Well, quite honestly, I think one of the reasons is it's as simple as they go and pray for people in Mexico. And I really believe whether you go on a missions trip or you come here on Thursdays and serve food, or you just are maybe a little more aware and conscious of, conscious of God's presence through your normal daily routine than you might otherwise be, that simply by making yourself available, you might see God do more. And with that in mind, I'm going to ask Cindy to come back up for just a moment and share with you because... Well, she made herself available this week, and fun things happened, right? Did that happen? Use a microphone. Use, a mi use your microphone if you want. Some microphone. Okay, so I was having one of those days where I was whining at God. <laughs> I'm hearing lots of people praying for other people and seeing miracles and being encouraged, and faith is growing, and I thought, you know, well, <laughs> what... And I'm not seeing that like individually personally. I mean, I'm praying and stuff, but not haven't walked up to anyone and had the guts to do face to face real interaction, you know, kind of a thing. So I was kind of just whining about that and that I was kind of challenged by God. Well, have you been available? So I was driving in on Thursday for um, the food ministry. And uh, I just before I got there, I was just having this uh, uh, discussion with the Lord, and um, I just kind of decided in my heart, you know, okay, I'm just going to try to pay more attention, and I'm trying, I'm going to be willing. Well, um, so getting to the food ministry, there was a, a gentleman that is um, fairly regular there, really wonderful young man who's got kids, and uh, just a sweetheart, and um, he walked in a little late, and you could just see on his face just sadness and fear, and I said, how are you, you know, and he said, well, I am, um, I'm, I'm not good, and he had just learned that there is a, a foreign growth in his abdomen, and he doesn't know what it is, and he's very afraid, and he still has tests to go through, and all this stuff, and I thought, you know, the light bulb comes on, an opportunity to pray, <laughs> so I said, I said, before you leave, we have to pray for you, it was kind of busy at that point, we needed to wait a little bit, anyway, so the story is, after he was able to get his food and, and everything, we came back together, and Glenn and Darlene and I were able to stand together with this man and pray for healing for him and blessing on his life and his children. And um, it was, I was pumped up and excited because all of a sudden there was this opportunity, and I did open my mouth, and I did do it. And then um, second opportunity, uh, someone else came in late and was talking about her back horrible, horrible pain, surgery coming. It's been there for years and years and years, terrible. And um, I said, well, 
can I pray for you? <laughs> so I got to pray for two people in the next couple of hours. And I was really excited that I had been able to break through that fear and barrier that I put up myself, just afraid of what, 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 what are they going to think? Yeah. Is God going to heal them? What's going to happen? But nothing bad happened to me, and we didn't necessarily see anything amazing yet. Although I know that God has increased my faith and my willingness to step out because of those opportunities. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And, and I want to say this. Cindy was a little reluctant to share because she said, well, we don't know if they got healed or not, right? And I said, that's true. We may find out that they did. We may find out they didn't. We may not ever know one way or the other. But the truth is this. If we hadn't prayed, we know the outcome, right? If we don't pray, we know they're not going to get healed. If we do pray, really we've done our part. It's up to God to bring healing. It's up to us to be faithful and obedient and pray. So, so I was blessed by that and wanted to encourage you guys to put yourselves in a position where you have opportunities to allow God to use you. Uh, John, the, the, the guy she talked about, uh, is a single dad who lives in the apartments right below us here. He is a regular. We see John once or twice a month, and I'm sure we'll hear about the outcome of, of our prayer with John. The other gal who came in with the, the bad back is her first time ever, and I, I just thought, what a tremendous deal. She came to get food and got prayer uh, on, her, on her first time. So, wow, I, I think she got loved and got to know that God cares about her regardless of what happens from here out. So just encouragement there. Um, <clears throat> Today, I, I'm going to take a few minutes, and I want to share with you a little bit about our missions work in Nicaragua, my trip a couple weeks ago. By the way, uh, before I left two weeks ago here, I asked you guys to pray for me. And I, I asked you to pray that I would have a fruitful trip and that I would have a safe trip. And God heard your prayers. Both of those things happened. I had a fruitful and safe trip. I realized in the aftermath I should have asked you to pray that I would get home on time. Um, that didn't happen. I was scheduled to uh, come home on Saturday night, would have been in to Portland about 8, 39 o'clock at night, uh, ridiculous, ridiculous airline hang up, and we spent two hours taxiing back and forth uh, on the runway into the, back to the dock or bay or whatever they called it, and then out and in and out in Managua. And so I missed my connecting flight in Houston, got to spend the, n the night in just, you know, lovely Houston, um, and did not make a flight home in time. So I, my wife, my lovely wife, was able to fill in for me. Yes. I thank you very much. I know it is. I just was not happy about being in Houston. <laughs> I, I, you know, I realize there's probably worse places to get stranded. I just can't think of any. Um, so, uh, thank you for sure. Uh, I, I want to let you know that, that our trip, my trip this week, was in preparation for our summer missions trip. I, I uh, I, we, we needed to do a planning meeting, and I'll fill you in a little bit as we go on that, but I want to do a shameless plug right now. We will be going back to Nicaragua 
uh, from the end of July, beginning of August, those dates are, are now uh, completely accurate. The cost is, will be very close to 1500 It could go up a little bit. Airfare is crazy right now. It's all over the map. It goes up and down and up and down. So depending upon airfare, that could change. Uh, there are applications in the back. Several of you have told me about maybe being interested in going. Uh, if you are, I would like you today to pick up an application, fill it out, get it back to me. You don't have to put a deposit down or confirm anything now. I'd like to have an idea of about how many people we'll be taking. Um, and I'm going to spend the morning uh, talking to you a little bit about that trip, the purpose for it, what we do in Nicaragua. This trip, by the way, you, you look at the 27th, the 6th of August. It's an 11-day trip, um, which is, I, I realize, it's, uh, it's two weekends, one full week, and I think a Monday, Tuesday on the other end or something like that. I, I know it's costly not only in that you have to pay for the trip, but probably, very likely, most of you take off work during that time. Um, so I realize all those things. I realize all those things. I was thinking about it. Donna told me what she shared about last week. I don't even know if I should tell you this. because, But in the two years, the year that we were engaged, before we got married in 81, and the year we got married in 82, we spent about $10,000 going on ministry trips. And we didn't buy a house for over 15 years after we were married, partially because of that. But I don't regret it at all. It was all worth it. It was all worth it. I can say that we're here today largely because of what God did in our own hearts during those times. I'm not encouraging anyone to do that. I'm just saying that I know there's a sacrifice to be made to do something like this. I'm fully aware of that. But I would encourage you to prayerfully weigh out that sacrifice. This particular trip will not be just a missions trip. It will be an adventure. And I'll share a little bit with you about that uh, as, as we go here. Um, but before we get into the specifics of the trip, I want to give you some context uh, for what we'll be doing. That is a map of Nicaragua. Um, Nicaragua is, a, is in the center of Central America. It is uh, a, a, geographically a relatively small country. If you just did square miles, it's about half the size of Oregon, shaped a little differently. But, but roughly about half the size of Oregon. Uh, I, I think it's just under 6 million people in the whole country. So it's not that big. Uh, it's, it's a rich, rich country in terms of natural resources. Obviously, uh, they have two coastlines. And if you are you know, aware at all, you realize a coastline equals tourism and a beach, right? It's a beach. So they have a Pacific Ocean beach that's beautiful on the, the west side of the country. And just to top it off, the east side of the country is on the Caribbean Sea. Uh, so fantastic in terms of potential there. Natural resources, everything from about here up, the whole northern part of the country is uh, somewhat mountainous. The elevation is up. It's cool up there. And it's fantastic coffee country. You guys are all familiar with coffee grown in Costa Rica. Uh, essentially the exact same climate. Coffee is grown there. But most of you have probably never had coffee from Nicaragua. Uh, because they just have never gotten a hold of exporting and developing in the way that, that uh, their neighbors to the south have. Two beautiful lakes. Lake Nicaragua is uh, the large lake there is 100 miles long, island made of two volcanoes in the middle. Uh, five years ago, uh, I climbed one of those volcanoes. Fantastic. In terms of ecotourism, tourism, 
adventure. It should be one of the greatest places in the world to go, but it remains incredibly poor economically. Poorest country in Central America, poorest country in Latin America, second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. Only Haiti has a higher level of poverty than Nicaragua. And I heard this, that after uh, the, the uh, disasters in Haiti and all the relief funds that went in, that actually Nicaragua is lower economically now than Haiti. I don't know if that's true. I, I heard that on this trip. Um, but uh, all that said, it's, it's wealthy in terms of natural resource but poor economically. There are reasons for that, some identifiable, some less than identifiable. Um, and in our heart, my heart personally, the work of our partnership, what we do there, the ultimate goal, uh, our, our stated goal is to establish a church planting movement in Nicaragua. The ultimate goal really is to change a country, to see the oppression that the people of Nicaragua have lived under for 500 years lifted off to a place where they are confident in who they are in God, confident in who they are as people, and an ability to move forward. So not for us, and, and there's a, a group of us, sort of a little uh, cadre or whatever, that are, we're just believing that God's going to do it, that we're going to see change come to a nation, and that we get to be a little part of that. So you could be part of that, too. Um, let me say this. Our trip will be, uh, we'll be attending, let me go back for a second. The, uh, we, we do every two years we do a national conference in Nicaragua. So all of our vineyard churches there in the country um, gather together. We have two churches in the capital city of Managua and a third church plant in Managua, which is happening right now as we speak. They are meeting today for their second Sunday ever. Very very exciting. We have another church plant, a semi-established church plant, in a very poor community outside of Managua. We have a church. Um, we have a church on the island in the middle of Lake Nicaragua. And then we have one uh, in Bluefields on the east coast, on the Caribbean coast, which is right here. Now, our conference this year will be over there in Bluefields. Um, and here's why. There, there's a reason why, but there's, there's also some complexity. Um, there are no roads across the country. You can't drive from the west coast to the east coast. Now, again, we're not talking about the United States here. That's like driving to Grants Pass or to Bend, okay? But you can't do it. It would literally be about a five to six hour drive to go across country, but there are no roads. So you can fly over. It's 150 bucks round trip to fly. We, we, we intend to take 50, at least 50 folks from the western vineyards to the east coast. They're very poor people. So obviously at 150 bucks a pop, that would be expensive. For about 40 bucks, there is an alternate route. You take a bus from Managua to Rama, which is here, and then you get in a little boat called a Panga, Panga, whatever, and you go up the river into Bluefields. And that's what we did on this trip. We followed that route just to sort of see what it'll be like uh, for, for the summer. Let me, um, that's the boat right there. Uh, I said it was not just a trip, it's an adventure. I practiced my Spanish before we went over to ask if there was any danger in the water. Uh, are there, are, are, peligroso en el agua, and then I asked, is there serpientes, is there snakes in the water? And I asked, peligroso uh, peces, is there dangerous fish in the water? And 
uh, this little old man next to me is cracking up. I go, I ask him, is the water dangerous? And he goes, and I go, yes. And I go, is there a dangerous fish? He goes, no. And I go, snakes. And he goes, like, you're killing me, man. Uh, we, we had no mishaps. It was actually quite fun. Uh, I will say this. The, the boat ride was very fun. Bus ride, not so much. Um, if you've ever, uh, but again, it's an adventure. Amazing things happen. We are taking the conference to Bluefields, and, and I'll, I'll share with you more. Oh, by the way, let me just say this. Bluefields, if you wonder what does the name mean, this is the deal. Uh, people wonder all the time, what is that? Um, it's it, it, in the uh, 17th century, uh, up and down through the Caribbean, of course, it was a trade route, a very popular trade route, and there were a lot of pirates. There was a lot of pirating going on, arr, arr. And uh, so there was uh, a Dutch pirate, a guy named Abraham Bluefeld, actually made the harbor at Bluefields. It's a beautiful harbor. It's almost closed completely off. That was sort of his home base. And he would go do his pirating out of there and come back. So the town is actually named after a Dutch pirate, which is uh, just a part of the colorful history uh, of Nicaragua. Um, but it, but it's, all, it's, all, it's all really, like I say, exciting and fun uh, to do this. Uh, wh when we get there, so, so in, in the summer we will actually be in, we'll land in Managua. We'll visit some churches there uh, on a Sunday. And then Monday we'll head out by bus and boat across the country to, to Bluefields. And we arrive in Bluefields, we'll meet some friends. Uh, the couple seated there are Norman and Marta Ellis. Uh, they are the pastors of the, the Loma Fresca Vineyard in Bluefields. Um, Norman and Marta are native Creole-speaking um, Nicaraguans, which means uh, Creole, which is sort of a grossly distorted English, is actually their first language. Spanish is their second language. They are bilingual. They are black. The culture there on the East Coast is um, what you would think of as Jamaican. It's, it's, it's Caribbean. It's not Hispanic like most of the rest of the country. So anyway, Norman and Marta are the pastors there. They are tremendously um, gracious and loving and caring people who you will just, uh, you'll, you'll just fall in love with them. I mean, they're, they're amazing. This is... Uh, uh, Marta in the kitchen there at their home with their little granddaughter who is um, just an angel. This is a school building behind their church uh, that they are in process of building. Uh, their church is, uh, the east coast of Nicaragua is poorer than the rest of the country, if you can sort of just figure those things out. Because they're landlocked and because much of the shipping and, and shrimp and fishing industries have sort of dried up because of pollution in the bay and different reasons. Um, there's, there's basically, there's no economy, no econ economic base at all on the East Coast. So they're very, very poor. They run a private school, Christian school. It's the only Christian school in the entire area. Uh, they're building this building uh, to accommodate that. Right now, the kids, they have over 200 students, elementary age students, that meet in their church building. And it's crazy. There's kids everywhere. Uh, so they're trying to get this, this, build, this school building done so that they can uh, have a little more space for their kids. It's fantastic what they do there. But, but that's their school. This is a daycare center that they run for uh, preschool, uh, you know, and babies that's in a, in a little building off to the side of the church. And then these are some of the kids. Uh, that's their church building there. Um, and they're there on Sunday. Um, our, our trip last week was essentially a planning meeting for the coming trip. Uh, so Steve Fish from Vancouver Vineyard and I, along with a couple other guys from here, 
um, took the trip over. We, three of our pastors from Managua area, two of their wives, we all went together over to, uh, to Bluefields and spent a couple days. We, we prayed together. We worshiped together. Uh, we fellowshiped a lot. They hosted us. These folks that have nothing uh, hosted us. They put us up. They fed us. And I, they, fed us they fed us shrimp and fish, and they, they cooked for everybody and put a huge spread on the table every day. I mean, it was unbelievable. It was just, they were so, so, so gracious, and we had such a wonderful time. Um, one of the things that we prayed for and that we hope to see happen this year is we, we prayed for unity and reconciliation, and I want to share a little bit about that. First, uh, some of you that have been around will remember about two years ago I did a series on Vineyard Values, and one of the Vineyard Values is reconciling community. And I want to just, this is from the ABC website. Uh, Jesus is reconciling people to God, to each other, and to the entire creation. He breaks down divisions between Jew and Gentile, slave and free, male and female. Therefore, Vineyard churches are committed to being communities of healing, engaged in the work of reconciliation, wherever sin and evil hold sway. We also seek to be diverse communities of hope that realize the power of the cross to reconcile what has been separated by sin. This requires that we move beyond our personal preferences and engage those whom we perceive to be unlike us. We must actively work to break down barriers of race, culture, gender, social class, and ethnicity. Um, there's an interesting dynamic in Nicaragua. Um, Bluefields, just again for context, is a city of about 85,000. So I think Beaverton is around 90,000. So you can just sort of, and geographically it would be similar. It's pretty, pretty spread out, pretty, pretty big area. Um, the difference would be that uh, there's nothing else connected to it. So you basically got this sort of sprawling city and then a, a, the bay on one side and essentially rainforest beyond that. Tropical, it's, it's the, the climate is tropical rainforest, it's, it's jungle. Um, the primary population there, as I mentioned, is uh, Creole-speaking black community. But as the primary population, they're not the only population. There is, there is, uh, there is some European influence there. There's a white population of Dutch and English that have, over the years, uh, been involved in there for business and, and other reasons. Um, there is the, the Spanish-speaking population of the West that has come to the East a little bit. The, the Creole, the folks that are there are a combination. Their history, historically, uh, came from uh, first, and, and I, I did a little bit of research, and they, they're dating it back to early uh, 1600s, shipwrecked slave ships coming from Africa, uh, and the people ended up there. And then there's also folks that have, have migrated there from Jamaica, and so then there's sort of this blending of people. There are also indigenous populations, the, the, the natives, actual indigenous people of Nicaragua, especially the East Coast, are uh, Mestizo and Mosquito Indian. There's a tribe called the Garfuna, who also have an incredible history, a very interesting history, also descendant of uh, shipwrecked slaves. Um, there is a Suma tribe, the Rama tribe is a, tr a tribe of people that is uh, almost extinct. They're, they're dying out. Their language is dying out. There are, right this very moment, Bible interpreters working to translate scripture into the Rama language because it's dying. And uh, they want to get it done before there's nobody left that can tell them how to do it. So they're, they're working on that. They, they basically live, uh, the population that remains on an island offshore in the harbor there near Bluefields. There's also, interestingly enough, a uh, Chinese population there because over years, uh, 
Chinese have come there for business as well. So, very, very culturally diverse place. Very culturally diverse place. And uh, w w with that said, uh, th there is uh, a tremendous amount, and, and I don't know if you would th think of this or not, tremendous amount of racism in, in, in the country. First of all, Nicaraguans as a whole are, are very much looked down upon by their neighbors to the, to the north and the south. Um, they're viewed as sort of, I, I don't want to be crude, but, but to, to give you an understanding, like we would think of somebody as white trash or maybe even not so much now, but in the 70s if you're around it, and people that, that, that migrated from Mexico and would work doing manual labor and doing sort of cheap labor, and you'd sort of, you know, there was derogatory terms for those folks. Um, that's how Nicaraguans are viewed. It's estimated right now in Costa Rica that one in four people currently living in Costa Rica is actually a Nicaraguan. Um, and those folks are there illegally. They are, quote, illegal aliens. They are there doing the same thing that illegal aliens would do here. They're looking for work, and they're working doing um, low-paying jobs, sometimes below minimum wage because it's under the table, uh, that the Costa Rican folks are not willing or able to do. So it's a very similar situation. So Nicaraguans are viewed um, negatively by their neighbors to the north and south. And then, to, to top that off, within the country, there's a tremendous amount of animosity uh, between the black population of the East Coast and the Hispanic population of the rest of the country. Uh, the Spaniards speak, the, 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 the Creole folks call them the Spanish. That's just their name for them, the Spanish. The Spanish think that they're better and really look down on them. And, and they have very little interaction. Uh, to, to, just to illustrate that, um, I would say somewhere upwards of 90% of the people that live on the Pacific Coast, Managua area, have never been to Blue Fields. Never been. Uh, on our trip this weekend, we had five people with us from Nicaragua. Of the five, uh, four had never been there before. Eugenio, our pastor in Managua, is the only one that ever been there before, and he went with me to visit Norman. So they, they would say, if you ask the average Managuan, why have you never been, they, you know, have you ever been to Bluefields? Why would I go there? No reason. They don't, they don't want to go. Um, so tremendous amount of, of prejudice and, and racism and lack of reconciliation, lack of unity um, there. Um, but we prayed for that. And, and, and really the, the heart of, it's a tremendous effort both just logistically as well as cost-wise to do this conference there rather than in Managua. It would be a hundred times easier to do it in Managua. I, just for example, PA gear. You, you know, you, you, if you don't have the right sound system, you just rent one, right? There's people who rent sound system. In Managua, you can rent a sound system. In Bluefields, you can't rent a sound system. Oh, you, you can't rent a porta potty so you know. I mean, it's, it's a lot more complicated to do it there. But to see reconciliation happen in the same way that we would have services here for racial reconciliation, that's why we're doing this over there. It's, it's, it's exciting. Uh, I was thinking of uh, Revelation 7, which to me is this, this image of what you know, it'll be like when, when God restores all things. I looked in there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And part of our hope is for that, is to see 
a little bit of that happened, and it won't be every language and every people, but uh, there will be a bunch of them, which um, is kind of fun. We, we spent some time worshiping together while we were there, and I'm just going to show you. It's a little few-second clip of part of our worship service. <laughs> So again, I, I don't know how well you could see that, but there's, there was really quite a diversity of people there that night, just a sort of an impromptu gathering. Some of the folks from the church there, our team, uh, we, we worship together. Uh, I'm going to try to close in the next minute or two. I want to tell you one story before I talk uh, finally about our purpose for our trip. This was the first night we were there. We were there two nights, and the first night we worshiped together, and at the end of the night, um, Pastor Norman stood up and said, hey, tomorrow night we have a surprise for you. They wouldn't tell us what the surprise was. So we, uh, we went through it. We had a, a long day of planning, preparing, and stuff. And then we took a little tour in a van around, saw Bluefields, and then uh, came back together. And we went into the church. And they did a drama for us, which was kind of cool. Uh, and then they had a dance, and then another drama, and then a, a young boy sang a song, and then another drama, and then another dance. So it was kind of this whole presentation. It was really, really neat. And then at the end, everybody left. They all they all, le- they all left, and so we were there. And then they came back in the front, and they were all carrying uh, gift bags. And Norman said, we have presents for you. And so here, you know, I mean, it was so uh, powerful and humbling at the same time. They actually went out and bought presents for us. Little, I, I was going to bring them today. I was earlier this morning. I forgot. Just, just little, I had a little wooden canoe carved, you know, it's beautiful, and, and a little notepad and some different things just gave everybody on our team gifts. It just said, we just want to just show you that God loves you, we love you, and they gave us gifts. I I go, man, these guys are dirt poor. They don't have enough money to feed these 200 kids rice and beans for lunch every day, and they're buying us presents. Um, It was just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. There is a tremendous spirit of God's grace and love there. Um, So so on our trip this summer, you go, well, what will we be doing? What do we do when we go? Uh, We'll pray for people. We'll pray with people. We'll pray for people. You'll have... We'll serve as ministry team at a conference, or, or, but you'll, you'll be on both sides of that equation. You'll get prayer, too, because uh, the, the gals at their church just love to pray for people, and you cannot escape. Uh, they'll get you sooner or later. Um, but we'll pray. We'll pray for healing, and we'll pray for families, and we'll pray for all sorts of things. So, so it'll be a, a, you know, if you like to pray, you'll have a good time. It'll be fun. We'll, we'll serve. We'll serve in a lot of different ways. Um, we will arrive in Bluefields two days before the conference starts help with final preparations for the conference, and then we also will help prepare food. They'll feed everybody while we're there. So there'll be over 100 people in attendance, and, w- and we will help them prepare the food every day. Um, we, we hopefully will just have fun. I, I, I guarantee you'll have fun. It, it'll be fun. There's no way to have fun. It's just too wild to, to not 
have fun. So, so that's a big part of it. And then, and then probably the most important thing, and, and really this is the heart of the whole thing, is we'll make friends. We want to be students, we want to learn, and we want to we develop friendships. And, and I can also guarantee that you will make friends on this trip. And you, and you, will, you will receive way more than you give. You go to give, that's the whole idea, but you, you come away with so much more than you give because, first of all, you, you enter into a faith realm that we don't know anything about. I'll just tell you right now. We don't know anything about it. We have no clue what it really means to have faith. Because you don't know, you don't understand faith until you have to have faith, right? If things in our lives, there's always a backup plan. There's, we can do this or that. We can make things work. That's sort of America, ingenuity, you know. They don't have anything, and so they just believe God, and that's the end of the day. That's it. That's all there is. When the the school building I showed you there that's under construction six years ago when the church first started the school building didn't exist at all the church was just a cement slab and Norman said this is the church we're going to build the church and then as soon as we're done with the church we're going to start in the school the school will be up there on the hill and he just showed me this hill I'm like yeah right you're going to build a school and so they're building a school you know what I mean they just believe God for it the property they're on what belonged to a relative of Norman's wife, Marta, who lived in the state. She was in Miami. Uh, and she uh, is her aunt, actually. She became very ill a couple years ago. And when she became ill, they weren't sure what was going to happen with the property. They thought they might lose the property. Uh, and the aunt actually came to Nicaragua, spent some time with them. And she w I met her. She was there last summer. We were there. Sweet lady. And she told uh, Norman and Marta, th th this property is for the Lord. And she gave it to them, just, just deeded them the property. So now they, they, they own it clear, clear and free and are continuing to build. Um, the faith levels, because we, we, we took the bus and the boat over, we were on a time crunch. We flew back. Um, and <laughs> there's two flights a day on this little puddle jumper plane, and they fill up. And so we couldn't get a reservation. We had like, there was nine of us. We had five people on standby and two people that couldn't make it at all. We're going to go the next day. And it was really an annoying um, situation for people like me and uh, Norman says oh you guys you, you want to go today you'll go today you'll, you'll get there everybody will go today I've, I've called I've gone in there I've talked to them there's no seat on the plane and um, so we got there early to check in uh, Kyle and I the guy I was flying back with and the flight before ours was delayed. She goes, oh, I can get you guys on this one. So we got on that flight. That opened two seats up. And Steve and Ron, who weren't going to be able to go that day, got on our flight. And everybody got back that day. I was like, how did we do that? Um, it's just a faith level that, that, we, that you just believe God because you don't have anything else. And that becomes normal for you. And they believe God for everything. They just, I'll, you know, that school the floor in it. And Norman told me, Monday, the kids are going to meet up in this. I go, there's no floor. And he goes, oh, but, but Monday there will be. I go, well, do you have the floor? Oh, no, but Monday we will. And, I mean, that's just where he lives. That's just, that's just where they live. It's just an uh, amazing thing. There's a level of joy and a level of love that is consistent with the level of faith. Uh, poor but happy. Uh, I, I can tell you this after going there that uh, money is not the source of joy because these guys have no money but they have a lot of joy it's amazing love 
just a culture of love. It's just a culture of love. Uh, the last thing, and we go, we gotta go. Um, we were standing around after church, and um, a little guy about 18 months old, I'm guessing, little baby, you know, barely walks, comes up and puts his arms around my leg. And I had had that happen to me at a grocery store one time, and the little kid that did it um, did, thought I was his dad. And when he looked up and saw me and I wasn't his dad, he, he freaked out and screamed. So this, I was afraid the kid was going to scream. And so I was like, oh, man, what do I do? Uh, so I just, I just kind of touched his head, and he looked up at me. I'm obviously not his dad or anybody he's ever met before. And he just smiles at me and just puts his head on my leg and just kind of digs in. And just stood there. It's like, man, can I take you home? <laughs> just beautiful. Just this culture of love that is tremendous. So let's stand and let's pray. Uh, you know, again, it's a good time. I, I, I think if you guys can go, go. If you can't go, do something else. Um, let, let, let's just close because we're running late. We need to get cleaned up so we don't bug the other guys. But thanks for today and your goodness. Thanks for, I, I just remember the word that came earlier and just continue to touch those folks that have fear in their hearts and are, are concerned, uh, that feeling of impending doom, Lord. Just cause your spirit to pour out on them and bless them richly. Bless us this week. Walk with us. Open our eyes to see and give us opportunities. Help us to make ourselves available to be used of you. We love you. We thank you. We're blessed to be your people.